action of the cells in the circulatory system, especially in the upper back, is like that of a river and the sediment therein. The river flows at full power at the source, carrying everything along with it except the heaviest items. It slows down gradually until it reaches the mouth, when it becomes passive and possibly stagnant. There the sediment stuck in the water sinks to the bottom. Cupping, therefore, removes blood impurities when they accumulate in the upper part of the back, with the result that the patient gets well. We perform cupping on the upper part of the back, since it is the region of blood stasis. When we sleep at night, we lean on our two shoulder blades at the back. On both sides of the spinal column, we have two muscles where blood stasis takes place. This is because the heart is located above them. So, a current of blood occurs which deposits a concentration of erythrocytes and blood impurities here. This is the site for cupping treatment. Interestingly, when the Chinese classified the nerves branching out from the spinal column into regions, according to their association with the interior organs, they considered the withers the upper part of the back under the two shoulder blades, the main region through which to treat headaches. About a thumb and a half's length above it, we have the main region through which the Chinese treat different diseases of the lung, especially asthma, by acupuncture. Finally, about a thumb and a half's length below it, we have the main region through which heart diseases and hypertension are treated. So we can see, this region is a very important one, where the blood stagnates in the muscles. So we take the inactive erythrocytes out of it for about three quarters of an hour, which is the time needed for practicing cupping. Moreover, the incisions heal up quickly in this region because there is no pressure put on this part of the body when we sleep. Therefore, the blood supply to the skin remains natural and adequate, whereas incisions would take a long time to scar over if we made them on other parts of the spinal column, which could be problematic in the case of diabetic patients. The extra pressure caused by blood impurities and redundant erythrocytes hampers the circulation of blood. Once the body has got rid of them by cupping, the blood will flow freely inside the veins and the arteries of the body and has easy access to the seven systems of the body and to the cells it couldn't reach before. It can now provide them better with the nutrients and oxygen and at the same time carry waste and harmful carbon gas away. After this, the body feels revitalized and ready to overcome ailments. This is why cupping is useful for every disease.
When the blood is healthy and sound, the whole body will be healthy. Cupping doesn't treat a special part of the body, yet it treats the whole body and all the diseases. So it is, as the holy saying tells, the very best of treatments by virtue of which mankind might enjoy good health, delight and happiness. The holy saying goes, all the creatures are dependents of Allah and the more helpful one is to his dependents, the more beloved one will be to him. And so, according to this saying, we see how the humane scholar Muhammad Amin Shaykho has helped the most people and is therefore the closest to God in our modern era. There are also time conditions to consider. These are yearly, quarterly, monthly and daily time increments. In short, cupping is practiced over the patient once a year for about 20 minutes. As for quarterly time, cupping is practiced in Syria and Lebanon in spring. But in other countries, it is practiced before the extreme heat comes. A holy verse tells us, Seek the help of cupping to face the extreme heat. That is, it must be practiced before the weather becomes very hot. In Saudi Arabia, as well as many of the countries of the Arabian Gulf, its fruits are reaped on the first and the second month, January and February. But in Britain, on the seventh and eighth month. Here, in Syria, it is practiced in spring, April and May. And we may also apply it in March, if the weather is not cold, and in June, if it is not very hot. As far as daily time goes, cupping should be practiced in the morning and certainly before noon as the harmful deposits in the body come to rest in the motionless part of the back and gather in the withers, the upper part of the back under the two shoulder blades, while we are sleeping. Therefore, we draw them out after awaking, but the patient should not eat anything at all before treatment. Otherwise, the redundant blood will mix with active blood heading for the intestines for assimilation. Therefore, the patient must fast for one or two hours until he is cupped and then he should have some vegetables or what we call fatouche, an Arabian salad, as it restores the balance of the blood flowing inside veins and arteries.
As for monthly time, cupping can be practiced during the second half of the lunar month before the weather becomes hot. The holy saying tells us, cupping can be harmful if performed at the beginning of the crescent and its benefits are not enjoyed before the crescent begins to diminish. The gravity of the moon exerts a huge influence over the human body, which it affects just as it affects the liquids in the seas and liquids in every other solid body. The human body is a part of this universe and its constitution resembles that of the earth. Liquids form about 80% of our body. Similarly, they form about 71.5% of the Earth's composition. The Moon causes an agitation of the blood during the first half of the lunar month. One result of this is that crimes are increasingly committed by those with criminal tendencies, according to Lebert, the American scientist. It's been my experience in my years as a police officer that uh, if it's going to be a full moon, we know we're going to have a busy night. It just seems as though uh, something seems to happen when it gets a full moon. You always seem to have some kind of problems. It just seems to be something in the air that gets people excited, sometimes in the wrong way. During the moonlit, or white days, which are the 13th, 14th, and 15th days of the lunar month, the blood moves extremely actively, not only in the human body, but also in animals' bodies. Many animals lay a lot of eggs on land, and the same is true of fish. After this, the blood stagnates and precipitates in the motionless region of the back, which is recognized medically as a region of blood stasis and focus of ailments. We remove harmful substances through cupping so that the body becomes sound and healthy. No disease has been sent by Allah without its cure. So why not cure yourselves, people, by applying cupping? I emphasize the necessity of confirming to the rules of cupping as regards quarterly time, which is the spring season, and monthly time, which is from the 17th to the 27th day of the lunar moon. The benefits will be greatly felt on the first days of cupping, the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, and the 21st day. It doesn't matter if the date of the day is an even number or an odd one. I would like to stress once again the importance of observing quarterly or seasonal time, for if a man is cupped in winter or in autumn, cupping will not give the same desired results as when it's practiced in spring. There are many cases of people who underwent cupping in winter when it caused them flu that lasted for 10 days or so, accompanied with low body temperature. Cupping is definitely best practiced in spring, in which it gives its desired results.
An explosion of cellular multiplication takes place immediately after birth, with the aim of making the newborn baby grow. This myriad of cells reproduces very quickly, resulting in a great number of cells which need iron. If we take a biopsy sample of blood from a little child during this period of enormous growth and send it to a laboratory without informing them of who the sample comes from, the results may well be interpreted as indicating a great multiplication of cancerous cells. If the small child in question kept growing like this, he or she would become as tall as the Eiffel Tower. Once he or she has finished this first phase, however, there are controlling cells that will put an end to this type of growth. During the period under discussion, the infant needs iron which cannot be obtained from the medulla. The body profits by recycling old urethrocytes and phagocytes, which are blood cells, to extract the iron from them via the liver and the spleen. This phase of growth lasts until an individual reaches the age of 21, where growth stops and the old erythrocytes begin to gather in the back. This is why cupping is necessary, as these old erythrocytes become redundant, at the same time hindering and obstructing the flow of new cells originating from the medulla. It was proved by the best analysts and laboratory technicians that the blood of menstruation resembles the blood extracted by cupping from the withers, the upper part of the back. Furthermore, we noticed that men are afflicted with liver cancer six times more than women before menopause whereas after menopause, women are affected by this disease with the same frequency as men. So we see how menstruation is a natural cleaning process which benefits women. In addition to this, men are often afflicted in much greater numbers by cancer of the colon, stomach cancer and leukemia than women before menopause, with numbers evening out after menopause. Therefore, bearing this natural cleaning process in mind, we recommend cupping for women after menopause, but consider that such treatment is not necessary before it. Someone may ask about the secret hidden beyond cupping, the simple operation which cures serious diseases that have puzzled medical experts. If we look at the mechanism according to how our circulation takes place, we can understand the effect of cupping and appreciate its advantages. The blood system is a world in itself, it is the basis of life, 
It ensures that all the major organs of the body are connected together, uniting their functions and their underlying purposes. It provides the body with fuel, removes the excrement and supports the immune system. Sometimes weakness and laziness besets this system, which is so complex and so important, and other times diseases attack it. It's composed of the white cells, which represent the body's defense system against any attack. They number between four and seven million cells per one millimeter cubed. There are also the red cells, about five million, again per one millimeter cubed. These cells carry oxygen, which is necessary to produce energy for all cells and tissues and remove the carbon dioxide from them. The red cells are produced in the medulla, then they move to the blood where they keep functioning for 120 days. When they age, they lose their vitality, flexibility and ability to work, as well as their form and they stick to each other. Either the current of blood drives them to the liver and spleen, or they find placid places in the circulatory system and settle there. They will not find a less active place than the upper back, as it is a wide area where the net of capillaries are particularly abundant. This has a great effect in slowing down the speed of the blood and consequently these cells gather in this place. The problems of blood clots, embolism, occlusion begins here. This was confirmed by a Japanese medical team who conducted research on the blood. They said that any problems in the blood are reasons for our different diseases. Therefore, cupping appears to be an obvious solution for all these problems. If we look for the mechanism of the cupping cure, apart from what was mentioned before, we can see that cupping helps the body to get rid of the waste blood and the ghosts of the red cells, which are called in the Chinese medicine the poisonous blood. The area where cupping is done is known as the area of the hundred diseases in the Chinese medicine. The mechanism of recovery of cupping can be summarized by firstly, the fact that cupping increases the secretion of natural morphine in the body. In 1962, the scientist Melzak did cupping on a sick rabbit and then he withdrew the spinal fluid, CSF, from the sick rabbit and put it in another sick rabbit and the result was that the pain vanished from the second sick rabbit. Cupping proved that it increases the secretion of natural morphine in the body and it increases also natural cortisone which was proved by Dr. Majida Amir and Dr. Hani Al-Ghazawi in Egypt. Secondly, the fact that cupping increases and activates the production of white cells, immune aminoglobulins and the interferon which is considered as the first line of defense against cancer cells and viruses. So, it is natural that cupping cures patients from cancer and viral hepatitis.
great medical success attracts the complete attention of all scientific and medical quarters. Recently, copying became the chief concern of everyone and was the main news in journals, science and medicine magazines as well as other publications following the reports of its amazing success. This occurred only a few days after the declaration of the laboratory results confirming the ability of cupping to defy the most incurable of recent diseases. This was not restricted to Arabic countries but extended over the entire world and became the hope of many patients to put an end to their pain and suffering. International circles gave great importance to this discovery to the extent that the British royal family began to correspond with the researchers in Syria in order to determine the method by which haemophilia prevalent among them can be cured. The Syrian medical team performed cupping on Dr. Mustafa Mahmoud, the well-known Egyptian writer, in the spring of the year 2004 upon his request. Everyone was surprised by the immediate improvement seen in the patient. This episode encouraged an interesting cupping on the part of many Egyptian doctors. The magazine Nesfa Dunya, which translates as Half of the World, interviewed Dr. Mustafa Mahmoud, the aforementioned writer. He spoke about his experience of cupping and how he asked his doctors to adopt the operation of cupping, complete with the procedures which had been revived by the Syrian scholar Mohammed Amin Shaykh, so as to standardize the art and deter fake or unqualified practitioners. Now cupping is being taught in the universities of 38 American states as an important academic branch. On top of this, Russian hospitals have officially accepted cupping after its therapeutic and preventative effects for many diseases have scientifically been proven. After the marvelous results of cupping first appeared, there was a huge demand for it, which resulted in certain individuals exploiting this zeal for cupping for their own financial gain. And another group of people who tried to practice cupping whilst breaking its rules and distorting the art. When we realized this, we got in touch with the medical centers, hospitals, and clinics all over Syria, throughout its provinces, regions, districts, and villages, guided by the directions of Professor Abdelkader John, otherwise known as Ad-Dirani. We explained to them the rules and laws regulating cupping, then we emphasized that breaking any of its rules could cause harmful results.
There's some concern about those who pretend to know about cupping and practice it for profit. Why the fraudulent practice doesn't detract from the real world of cupping. It's necessary to establish some controls that regulate its operation and to condemn those who practice it haphazardly. Accordingly, clear information and trusty therapists should be readily available to all. The program being broadcasted now aims at making patients and doctors aware of the benefits of cupping. Some doctors, unfortunately, have criticized cupping, firstly due to the fact that they have no knowledge of the art and its procedures, and secondly, the fact that they draw their data from the first-hand experiences of people who were cupped by non-expert practitioners. In these latter cases, patients might have suffered inflammation or influenza resulting from drinking milk or one of its derivatives after cupping or from performing cupping after eating. Correctly performed cupping is free of such dangers and bears no relation to these cases. Let's now discuss the simplest case, which is the infectious epidemic hepatitis. It is claimed that cupping spreads this disease. It is known, quite apart from cupping, that this disease spreads mainly as a result of unsterilized tools in surgical operations and dentistry, infection through blood transfusion or through kidney dialysis. There have, however, been no attempts to prevent dentists from practicing their work or to stop the use of dialysis machines and quite rightly so, for these cases resulted from unsterilized equipment and not a flaw in treatment procedures themselves. The same is true for cupping. Tragic cases like the ones above are not the fault of legitimate practitioners following procedures correctly. I'd like to say to those who oppose cupping that we should not make rash judgments. Your fellows have come to the conclusion that cupping is a scientific phenomenon which deserves studying. So, it is not right to attack it knowing nothing about it. Three years ago, about 400 doctors and researchers in the Union of Doctors indicated an interest in studying cupping. Unfortunately, those who oppose cupping generally know very little about it. All that they know is that some people who have been cupped have suffered from an inflammation of their wounds, known as bacteremia. I would say to them that it's the fault of the medical establishment in general that has left cupping in the hands of the barbers, no offence meant to barbers, who have conveyed it to people unscientifically.
through unhygienic practices and without using antiseptic lancets. They have used ordinary blades and handkerchiefs instead of bandages. I can honestly say that all the cases which I supervised have been cupped by surgeons using the same tools used in surgical operations. Through the implementation of such scientific conditions, we can realistically validate the benefits of cupping. Cupping is not a replacement for conventional medicine. It complements, corresponds with and supports its capabilities. We should emphasize that we do not criticize other methods of treatment, but this kind of therapy is an integral step on the right path to achieving treatment without side effects. And as Pastor said, chemical medicine is a double-edged sword, for it affects the patient as it affects the disease. Cupping has no side effects, nor does it cause any damage at all. Some people, unfortunately, have begun to change these conditions and rules and returned cupping to its previous status as a sort of trick art, practiced only by ignorant people and with an element of risk for the patients. But when the great scholar Muhammad Amin Shaykh established strict procedures and conditions for it, he proved that it isn't at all harmful. On the other hand, damage results when chemical medicines enter the body, which they benefit and harm at the same time. Cupping removes disease from the withers, the upper part of the back under the two shoulder blades, without introducing anything harmful into the body. So we can see that no harm results from applying cupping, yet harm is caused by those cuppers who do not correctly observe its laws and procedures. It is quite well known that if the dose of the medicine exceeds the proper limit, it may harm the patient, while if it is less, it will avail nothing. Similarly, if practitioners alter the conditions of cupping, as they are doing now, they may harm the patient. Everybody knows that everyone suffers from the complications resulting from the use of chemical medicines. The West perceived such a fact and set out to conduct research and studies about alternative medicine, or what we call prophetic medicine where the results exceed all expectations. As a result, the West began to respect such arts. We might consider cupping as one of the branches of prophetic medicine. We might also make a fair comparison between conventional medicine and alternative ones. So, alternative medicine is an integral complement to classic medicine, the side effects of which have been noted over the years. We depend on classic medicine, but when it fails to treat the case, we resort to alternative ones, 
so it would be better to call them complementary medicines as they complement the classic ones.